Father, we thank you for this time. We thank, are thankful that the, the greatest example of fatherhood is, is our Heavenly Father. And now, Father, we pray that uh, the model you've set, we would learn how to replicate that in an earthly manner. There are some traits, Lord, that we just can't copy. Unique to only you. Then there are some things that uh, that you want us to copy perfectly so we can reflect you throughout this world. So allow your word to give us understanding so that might take place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love it, love it, love it. Little footsteps in here, pitter-pattering. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, worship team. Y'all was singing and singing, doing y'all thing. Can we celebrate Christ using our worship team? I know Gary be on that bass. Getting it. Getting it. Whenever you get a, a, a group of guys together, it's some fun little, you know, talking. There's some jokes that start happening, but at, at some point, you get, you get some competition. At some point, you start getting some conversation where we're going to try to one-up each other just a little bit, and, and I, and I, and I got a, a little mental image of a, of a heavenly one-up session. Uh, a, a heavenly one-up session where in, in eternity some men are gathered together and, and one of them is like, hey, you know, my child was not MVP once but twice. Another one says, well, what? Oh, that, that's cool, that's cool, but my, my kid <laughs> created electricity. What? You know, then you get a, another that says, well, well, well mine saved, saved the slaves. Nah, nah, which we, slaves are we talking about here? We're talking about Herod, we're talking about Moses. Yeah, well, well, you know, you can just imagine this kind of going back and forth and you keep one up and you keep one up. And well, well, well my daughter received a Nobel Peace Prize. And then somebody just comes in like, well, well, my kid, my son. He walked on water. Dang, Joseph, you always messing up, man. Come on. <laughs> and that's, that, that's kind of how you could imagine it going. And, and, and this brother Joseph, this father, always has the card that supersedes all things. He's got Jesus as, as his son. So we're going to, on this Father's Day, have some reflections of God, some understanding of God, some equipping from God, but it's going to come through looking through the lens of a father, Joseph. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. And families that are present, you know I love the sound of beautiful children, so they are welcome to stay. If you feel like, you know, you got the sweat beads going and you just can't take it, we do have in the fellowship hall the service being streamed up there. 
but know where I would prefer you. Amen. Luke chapter 2. We're starting with the 41st verse. Second chapter, the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 41st verse. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Those first two verses with me for the first point. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So now you're hearing first there's a pattern of some sort. There's a rhythm of some sort. There is a norm that's taking place. And, and if you could just footnote Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, it tells us that men were to go and worship at least three times a year. Three times a year, you were to worship the Lord, that there were these festivals that would commemorate something amazing that God had done. That every man was to go, and then it, 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 it grew from just the men going to actually the families going. And so if you're supposed to do that three times a year for three significant events, let's name the, the, the event in this particular passage from Luke chapter 2. It's commemorating Passover. Passover was this situation that happened where the weight of oppression was on the shoulders of the people of God. This situation where slavery was the common day practice. Passover, where Egyptian land was not home. So now these people, the people of God, find themselves carrying a weight they were never really intended to carry. And God comes along and says, let me disrupt this injustice. God comes along and responds to his people, and he gives some warnings, some warnings, some frogs, some warnings, some blood, some warnings. And this final warning comes with a plague that brings forth death. There's this angel of death that comes, and he's going to save the people of God, but he's going to do so by taking life. 
And what the people of God had to do was take some blood and they would put it over the door. And as they did that, whenever this spirit of death would come through, he would pass over their home, not taking their life. It was a move of freedom on behalf of God himself. And the people of God were to remember this act that God had done. And so every year when you got three festivals, this is one of the festivals you're going to go celebrate. You're going to celebrate Passover. This is a reminder of your freedom. We have freedom reminders today. We have some some traditions today, y'all, that are similar to what they did. You look back and you see festivals and you know festivals and Today, every, every year, we, we get together for July 4th. That's a, a festival. It's a time of remembering independence. It's a time of remembering separation from, from Great Britain. It's a time of remembering a historical aspect of our experience as Americans. But then we also get a chance to celebrate another beautiful historical fact. This weekend, we got to celebrate Juneteenth. We got to get excited about Juneteenth, because if one was a national holiday, now finally we have another national holiday that points towards freedom. You see that, unfortunately, slavery was still taking place, something that that people could connect with. When when people read this Bible, they could see themselves in, in the people of God's narrative, and though it's not the same, they understood that term slavery. And so, God willing, through different legislative practices and battles and arguments and a number of things, the Emancipation Proclamation was passed that ended slavery, and that was passed to end slavery legally. But there still was some issues. There still was some people battling it in court. There still was some people that continued to allow slavery to take place. There still was some people who said, I don't care who y'all say is free. These folks is mine. And so it was with a a, a final uh, taking over, and I want to read this part to make sure I don't mix it up. On the morning of June 19, 1865, Union Major General Gordon Granger arrived on the island of Galveston, Texas, to take command of the more than 2,000 federal troops who recently landed there in the Department of Texas to enforce the emancipation of its slaves and oversee a peaceful transition of power. It was on that day that we saw not only peace in theory, but peace in action take place. And those that were enslaved experienced freedom that others had experienced prior. And so we celebrate that aspect of freedom. So we get festivals. We understand festivals. We understand celebrating when God moves and does something. And we step into Luke chapter 2 and we see Jesus' daddy, Joseph, being a part of a festival called Passover. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm grateful for 
for the, the biblical model set of remembering the beauty of history because we all need to be remembering history. We all need to be making sure that we teach uh, uh, Asian history and white history and black history. We need to learn all of these histories so that we can understand how God has been moving in the lives of people. We need to be understanding how he has moved in mighty ways. And the funny thing that I, I realized, even in preparing my sermon, the place that, that was first recorded as celebrating Juneteenth is a church. The people of God. The people of God will realize the power of freedom and the power of rejoicing when God brings forth freedom. You see, it's something that we can embrace today, but it can go back to looking into Luke chapter 2. And so they're going to be a part of this festival. This festival is a time of worship, and fathers, my, my maybe first point to all of you, men, my first point to all of you is just simply this. Create a rhythm create a culture, create a pattern of worship. Don't just randomly allow God to be a part of your life, but have some norms in your household where it is, it is uh, uh, something that the kids, wife, entire family can look forward to, something that they know is going to come. Uh, uh, an experience of worshiping God that is consistent. Fathers, don't let God be relegated just to Easter and Christmas. Let's make sure that worship is a part of the DNA of your home. Now, some of my sisters are going to say, well, Pastor, that's a sister's, sister's role too. Yep, it sure is. But I'm going to hit you on that on Mother's Day. Today, Father's Day. Still expected us, God still expects us, even though then it was, it was in law, Deuteronomy 16, 16, he still expects us to celebrate today, but now he gives you freedom. He might say, you can celebrate me through Sunday worship, you could do it through witnessing on a corner, you could do it through Bible study in your home. The question isn't how many times are you doing it, but are you doing it with true passion? Continue with me in verse 43. Luke chapter 2, verse 43. And when the feast was ended and they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Now, 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 can I just... Can I just recap this for y'all? Because uh, if, if this had been 2021, somebody would have called the police on Mary and Joseph. Somebody would have, would have hit them up. Oh, who is this? Denied, not, neglecting their kid, don't know where their kid at. It would have, it would have been crazy, right? But, but you got you to remember the, the cultural connection during that day. 
And we, we understand it, but you got to put it in the right framework. I mean, what has just happened is they have gone, they, they went with their extended family to travel to go worship. They've now worshiped, celebrated God, been in God's presence together. And now as an extended family, they are all leaving, headed back home. As an extended family, they come, friends, cousins, aunties. And as an extended family, they go. And so... When you're with me, I know where you are, but, you know, if, if little mama run over here and fall, what's going to happen? Somebody over here is, boom, we got her. We got her. And, 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 and it's almost like if, if some families, like, you know, don't come from a, a, a family reunion background. But when you have a family reunion, everybody watching everybody. I don't know really where my children are at all times, but I know you know, and I know you know, and I know you know. So, so we don't have to necessarily have like our eye on each every. But what would happen is at night, see in the daytime, there's an extended family all marching together. But at night, each family breaks off and they do something that is extremely valuable. They have dinner together. And it's at dinner that now you check in and you're saying, okay, number one, number two, number, uh-oh. Uh, one, number two, number, uh-oh. You see, it was, at, it was at that dinner time when they had to check in and they were able to connect and able to engage that they realized Jesus wasn't there. So there was a whole day's journey of walking with everybody, but at night now, checking in. And it's a small thing that can be overlooked, but it's a part of the culture that I think is really important for us to grasp. And it's that fathers, make sure you have rhythms of, of checking in. Make sure you have rhythms of being able to assess how your children are doing. Make sure you have patterns of being able to hear and listen from your family. I was doing a little bit of research in the National Center on on addiction and substance abuse at Columbia says, kids and teens who share family dinners three or more times per week are less likely to be overweight, are more likely to eat healthy, perform better academically, are less likely to engage in risky behaviors like drugs, alcohol, and sexual activity, and they have better relationships with their parents. Just three or four times a week of having dinner together. The Journal of Adolescence Health says, more frequent family dinners are related to fewer emotional and behavioral problems, greater emotional well-being, more trusting and helpful behaviors towards others, and a higher life satisfaction. Just from having dinner together. You see, fathers, if you want to see a healthy home, we've got to be able to make these in investments. And during those times of investments, you can check and gauge how's everyone doing. If it's not dinners for you, cool, then make it breakfast. If it's not breakfast, then maybe it's when you're working on your car together. If it's not working on the car, maybe it's when y'all doing chores around the house. I don't know when it is, but make sure there's a time to pause and engage with your kids. My wife and I have been blessed to have a, a, a dinner at our home almost every night. We try to have dinner. And, 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 and you think like, oh, because pastor, the way you do it, it must like run nice and smooth every time. And 
Y'all just go in deep conversation. No, man, I don't. Nope. It's messy. It's all over the place. But, but I'm blessed to be just in my kids' presence. And you all know, we all know that, that you have to fight for that. There are things pulling at your attention. Work, rest. Go on here and hit that TV. I'm going to just eat down here. Wifey and I haven't talked all day. But th- th- no. Make sure you have time for that, that check-in to know where and how your kids are doing. And so they, they realize that Jesus isn't present. And they travel for a day, get away, realize that night, then they travel a day back to go find him. Look with me in verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. This is a, 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 a subtle overlook because what we are drawn to, as we should be, is the depth of Jesus' wisdom. He is a child educating grown-ups, and they are blown away. His mom and dad come back blown away at the wisdom and the understanding of God's word that Jesus is presenting to everyone. But I don't want you to miss a subtle term that is used by Mary. Because you see, Mary could have said something that showed that there was a fracture in this relationship. She could have said, son, behold, your stepdad and I, your half-dad and I, your partial dad and I, but she simply says, your father. Father, it, it, it communicates the depth of adoption and how Joseph, in taking on Jesus, sees no separation at all. There's no step. There's no partial involvement in the life of this child. Joseph gives him the name signifies full adoption, and Mary refers to him as father, signifying full rights and full leadership, full responsibility for this life. Such a beautiful encouragement to to all of us about the the extent of adoption and how we are engrafted in, but I I want it to be an encouragement to us, brothers, that fatherhood doesn't just start or stop with natural birth, that some of us and some of you are to pour into some that are right next door to you that may not have a fatherly figure. Some are called to to invest in some nieces and nephews, some cousins like they were your own. Some are called to actually adopt. Take them in as your own and see there being no difference, the love being as strong because it is as strong. 
And so the hope is that as Mary references Joseph fully as father, that we would catch the depth of what it means to be a father and the beauty of what it means to be fully adopted, fully grafted in, fully a part of the family. I have been blessed with two earthly fathers. And at some point, my, one of my earthly fathers got me involved in this program for um, uh, a rite of, rites of passage as a, as a young boy when I was about Ezra's age. And I still remember this gentleman named Paul Hill that poured into about 20 young guys my age. And he would do that year after year. Can't imagine how many lives he impacted in East Cleveland because of his willingness to say, come on up under my, my wings. Family, Joseph is a, a great model of, of what it looks like to have a rhythm of worship, to, to have a family structured around worship, a, a, a great model of what it looks like to, to have a consistent time of engaging and, and checking in and and also a great model of the beauty, of, the beauty and depth of, of adoption. Let's look at these last, last words, and then we'll, we'll let you get home to them ribs, brothers. Verse 49, and he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Some people might say, like, whoa, look, look it seems like Jesus just got smart with his parents. But, but when you look at the Greek tone here, it's not one of, of like, of, of being a smart aleck. It's more one of, like, oh, I just, I, I would have assumed you thought that. Like, 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 like I, I, just, I just would have thought you would have thought that. I would have thought that if you looked for me, you would have found me in the temple with, with my father, being about my father's business. I just would have, I just would have thought that. And it's funny because I, I, I can play back different, different times when, 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 when my kids do something and, and it just, you know, like, like they're just running around and they fall, get mud on their hands and they get up and then they just start doing like this. Like they just wipe all the mud on their shirt and then wipe it on their face. And you're like, what was you, what, what was you doing? Oh, I just thought this was, thought this was what you're supposed to do. I just, I, I, what? What, huh? See, Jesus, Jesus knows his, 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 his grounding and this expression of wisdom in God's truth is going to be most on display in the temple, in the house of the Lord. But notice, notice, even though Jesus is blowing the minds of everyone, you got adults amazed, his parents are amazed, they're saying, whoa, like, look at, look at the knowledge this 12-year-old kid is dropping in verse 51, they still says, and he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was what? Submissive. Submissive. That means Joseph and Mary said, okay, brilliant one, it's time to go. <laughs> okay, dude that's been preaching, get over here, let's go. At some point, though, 
even with his wisdom and stature, Joseph and Mary lay out a a lead. They continue to, to lead. They say, Jesus, now let's go. And Jesus submits to their leadership. It is important for us fathers, even with work that is demanding and even with brilliant children that get to a point where they can start to fend for themselves in many ways and some stuff gets on autopilot and as long as they eat and don't burn down the house, it seems like they're cool. (laughs) There's also, though, this, this call. There's also this responsibility, fathers, to lead in a way that children have something to be submissive to. And my request, my pray, my plea is that what they're submissive to is something that is godly. Give them a godly vision. Give them godly love. Give them godly time. So that even when they are mad and even when they're frustrated and even when they are tired of you leading, they look up someday and they know that it was all in love. Let us be fathers that lead, that give a vision, that give a plan, that give some guidance, that give children an opportunity to be submissive. Let us model godly time. Let us model rhythms and patterns that allow the family to know that it is normal to worship here. Let us have times of checking in and engaging. There was a young man that was, uh, he was sentenced to go to jail. And the judge had known him from childhood, for he was well acquainted with the young man's father. He was a famous legal scholar and the author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trust. Judge said to him, do you remember your father? Young man says, I remember him well, your honor. Then trying to probe the the offender's conscience, the judge said, as you are about to be sentenced and as you think of your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? There was this pause. Then the judge received an answer that he had not expected. I remember when I went to him for advice. He looked, up at, he looked up at me from the book he was writing and said, run along, boy, I'm busy. Run along, son, this book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a lost friend. The magistrate muttered to himself, alas, he finished the book, but he lost the boy reading that and it was it was hitting home with me as uh as as on Tuesday I had that car accident and car accidents are so crazy because they happen so quick but it also slows everything down and and before the impact oh, I was thinking about my family man thinking about my family, and um, then I'm looking at this, and I'm like, man, there's more that I want to make sure they all get from me, and I know there's times when they've come to me and asked something, and I've said, 
wait a minute, I still got something else to do. Family, that's going to happen at times, but don't let it be our norm. Don't let it be our rhythm as fathers that it continues to be wait. It continues to put them on hold. They continue to have to be in line with a number of other things where they are second guessing, am I the priority? Fathers, let's live a different way. Let's model a different gospel. Let's reflect Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by Jesus because what he models to us is following the will of the Father. He continues to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And so Jesus shows us what it's like to pursue the Father's heart. He does so through obedience all the way to the cross. So on this Father's Day, I, I, I pray that, that we will be reminded not simply of some, some good help tools, some, some ways to, to, to move and operate, and, and I'm blessed to be able to say within the Mac Ave family of life, those that are present in the building, those that are online, and even some that don't say Mac Ave is their church, but they do life with us, I'm blessed to say we have some amazing fathers, some amazing men, some awesome examples. But I want to make sure the bar is set high. Not because we're looking at each other as men, but because we're looking at Christ. Because we're following Christ's model to live out the will of the Father. And in doing so, that led Jesus to the point of sacrifice. He gave his life so that the will of the Father, which was that we could be reconciled to God, would be accomplished. Church family, if you are a person that still is saying, I hear all these things and I, I, I want to celebrate God, but... I had a struggle with my own father, or I don't even know what a healthy father looks like. How could I imagine God loving me in the way that you're sharing today, Pastor? Don't simply look to the men in the room or at home. Look to God. Look to heaven. And you'll see the greatest act of love take place where Jesus died on the cross so that you could feel the full extent of God's love. But it's an offer that we still all have to receive. It's an offer that we have to accept. And so family, during this time, if you would like to accept Christ in your heart, I ask you to pray with me. Lord, please forgive me for my sins. I recognize that Jesus is in control. And I want to submit my way to your way. On the cross you died to free me from the bondage of sin. And that's worth me celebrating every day. Now, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might live for you every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Family, we are honored to be able to walk with you here. And if uh, praying that prayer is something you did today, if receiving Jesus and, and submitting to his will,
being submissive to the will of, of God is something that you've done today. We want to celebrate you and celebrate Christ doing a work in your heart. But this is a beginning point, you know, like, like Juneteenth. This is the, the first celebration, but we're going to have many more celebrations of God working in your life. And we would love to do that with you as a church family. And so afterwards, we're going to have a Zoom call. Feel free to jump on that Zoom call, and I would like to connect you with how to grow deeper in Christ and do so as a family.